Welcome to another edition of our podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. My name is Andrew Finn. I'm the co-coordinator of the Arbitration Practice Group here at SNC. I'm joined today by Joe Newhouse, also co-coordinator of our Arbitration Practice Group. Glad to be here. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing an issue with important practical implications to users of international arbitration, and that is the availability of discovery ordered by U.S. courts in support of international arbitrations that are seated outside the United States. At the end of March of this year, the United States Supreme Court granted certiorari in a case called Servotronics versus Rolls-Royce that has the potential to finally resolve a circuit split over the availability of such discovery in international commercial arbitrations. The court's decision could have broad ramifications, not only for companies that themselves use arbitration, but also for companies who might be third-party witnesses in such cases. But before we get into the Servotronics case itself and some predictions for where it might go, Joe, maybe you can give us some more context on the issue. The issue is about a somewhat obscure statute, Section 1782, Title 28 of the U.S. Code. Section 1782 authorizes, but does not require, a U.S. district court to grant discovery at the request of, quote, any interested person, quote, for use in proceedings before a, quote, foreign or international tribunal. And that is the key phrase for purposes of the present circuit split. While the statute says that the court can choose to use whatever practice and procedure it thinks best for this discovery, including that of the foreign country or international tribunal, in practice, federal courts of the United States typically use the ordinary discovery provisions of the federal rules of civil procedure when they grant these requests. This opens up the entire panoply of U.S. discovery tools to arbitration parties, such as orders requiring production of email and electronic documents, in response to broad document requests, oral depositions, and so on. So now we come to the conflict. The lower courts have split on whether this statute even applies to commercial arbitrations. The question is whether the statute's reference to foreign or international tribunal includes international commercial arbitration tribunals. For many years, the answer to that question seemed to be a resounding no. The only two appellate courts to have considered the issue the United States Courts of Appeals for the Second and Fifth Circuits both decided in 1999 that the statutes did not apply to private international arbitrations. So, Joe, what changed? Well, in 2004, the Supreme Court, in a case called Intel v. Advanced Micro Devices, seemed to suggest that the statute's reach might be broader. That was the last time the court addressed Section 1782. That case did not deal with an arbitration at all, but whether the European Commission Director General for Competition was a, quote, foreign or international tribunal when it considered a complaint. The Supreme Court in Intel said, yes, it was. But Justice Ginsburg's majority opinion cited with approval, though in dicta, a law review article that suggested that, quote, tribunal in Section 1782 included arbitral tribunals. Now, that article was written by the late Professor Hans Smit one of the towering figures of American international law, my old civil procedure teacher, and the primary drafter of Section 1782 when it was amended to its present form in 1964. Interestingly enough, Justice Ginsburg, then a recent law school graduate, actually served as a research associate under Professor Smith on the project that resulted in the 1964 amendments to Section 1782. 
Justice Ginsburg's citation to Professor Smith's article, while dicta, was read by some to signal that perhaps the Second and Fifth Circuit approach was not the one that the High Court would take. Still, for another 15 years, no appellate court took up the invitation to extend Section 1782 to private arbitrations. That changed in September 2019, when the Sixth Circuit decided a case called Abdul Latif Jamil Transportation v. FedEx. That case found that a private commercial arbitral tribunal was, in fact, a foreign or international tribunal for purposes of Section 1782. The court noted the dicta in Intel. And to cut a long story short, that circuit split has widened, with the second and fifth reaffirming their position that private arbitrations are not covered, joined now by the Seventh Circuit. The Seventh Circuit decision is the one on review in the Servotronics case. Meanwhile, standing on the other side are the Sixth Circuit, joined by the Fourth in the spring of 2020, and possibly the Eleventh, which decided the issue but then vacated that opinion for unrelated reasons. Interestingly, the Fourth Circuit decision involved the very same arbitration, the Servotronics case, as to which the Seventh Circuit reached the opposite conclusion. You can't have a square conflict in that. No, you can't. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So, Andrew, maybe you can talk a bit about the practical implications of this issue. Sure. If the Supreme Court sides with the Sixth and Fourth Circuits and allows Section 1782 to be used to support commercial arbitrations, companies with operations in the United States will without a doubt be faced with more of these discovery requests, even if they opt for international arbitrations seated abroad. Some would argue that one of the reasons that international arbitration is attractive to commercial parties is that discovery is more limited and hopefully the process less expensive and time-consuming as a result. And some practitioners have argued that there may be a fairness issue where one side happens to have relevant information subject to the jurisdiction of U.S. courts and thus is subject to a Section 1782 application, while the opposing party may not. One side can use the statute, therefore, to obtain information at no small cost to the other, while the other side cannot. Okay. Well, now that we've set the scenes, Andrew, tell us a bit more about the Servotronics case in particular. So Servotronics found itself as a respondent in a chartered Institute of Arbitrators arbitration commenced by Rolls-Royce in London. The dispute itself stems from an aircraft engine fire that occurred in South Carolina during a flight test at a Boeing facility there. Boeing sued Rolls-Royce, who manufactured the engine, and the insurers settled for about $12 million. Rolls-Royce turned around and brought the arbitration against Servotronics, who supplied a valve to Rolls-Royce used in the engine, and that valve allegedly caused the fire when it failed. So far, so standard. Servotronics, however, was unable to obtain information that it considered crucial to its defense from Boeing and Rolls-Royce in the second arbitration. So it launched a number of ex parte 1782 requests, seeking documents from Boeing in the Northern District of Illinois and depositions of Boeing employee witnesses in the District of South Carolina. The District of South Carolina denied the request and then was reversed by the Fourth Circuit, which directed the discovery to proceed. The District Court in Illinois and the Seventh Circuit took the opposite approach, holding that 1782 cannot be used in support of private arbitration. Servotronics sought cert from the Seventh Circuit decision and the Supreme Court granted the petition in March of this year. Okay, 
Let's get to our predictions of the outcome. You and I are batting a thousand in these podcasts on our predictions in arbitration cases at the Supreme Court. So at the risk of disturbing that record, how do you think it will play out? It's an interesting question, and it's always hard to predict these things, but if I had to shake my crystal ball, I think the court will side with the Sixth and Fourth Circuits and allow Section 1782 to be used in private commercial arbitrations. This is a very textualist court, and the words of the statute provide for discovery for use in a proceeding before a foreign or international tribunal. The plain meaning of foreign or international tribunal seem to encompass arbitral tribunals. And I think that may be enough for a majority of the justices. That said, the Seventh Circuit below, after surveying the dictionary definitions of foreign or international tribunal, concluded that they were inconclusive and rejected the plain meaning argument in light of the statutory context, legislative history, and apparent inconsistency with Section 7 of the Federal Arbitration Act. Section 7 governs U.S. court assistance in taking of evidence in domestically seated arbitrations. Under the Federal Arbitration Act, only the arbitral tribunal, not the parties, can avail themselves of that assistance, and arguably only in the district where the tribunal is seated. By contrast, Section 1782 allows not only parties, but even interested persons to make an application before any district court where a witness is found. Still, I think the textualist approach will probably carry the day with the justices. Your thoughts, Joe? I think it's probably right that the textualist point will prevail with this group of justices. At the same time, the court has in recent years been very attentive to how arbitration is different from court proceedings and has been protective of those differences. I'm thinking of the series of cases that somewhat strain to uphold class action waivers, for example. But I think you're right here. This will be a reversal. One other interesting wrinkle, though, is that when the court granted cert, Servitronics sought to stay the hearing in London, but the arbitral tribunal denied that request for adjournment, and the hearing was scheduled to take place in May of 2021. That could raise a mootness issue. Another possibility, if the court does take up the merits and does reverse, is that the justices might take the opportunity to give guidance to the lower courts about how to exercise their discretion in granting Section 1782 requests. They could, for example, put a thumb on the scales in the direction of recognizing the limited discovery usually available in international arbitration, which is more or less the position advocated for by the International Chamber of Commerce Court of Arbitration in an amicus brief it filed with the court. There was guidance in the Intel decision, a list of factors to consider that has turned out to be very important in structuring how the lower courts approach these requests. The court could promulgate more guidance to make it more difficult to obtain discovery without, for example, the express blessing of the arbitration tribunal. I guess time will tell. Of course, even if the Supreme Court does allow Section 1782 to be used in aid of international arbitration, regular users of international arbitration may wish to take steps to exclude that type of discovery from their own cases. One way to mitigate the risk of Section 1782 applications pre-dispute may be to consider updating arbitration clauses to specifically limit discovery, as U.S. courts are generally bound by the Federal Arbitration Act to enforce the party's arbitration agreements as written. And once a dispute has arisen, if there is a significant risk of U.S. discovery, 
perhaps due to the presence of a U.S. party, a U.S. witness, or important evidence located in the U.S., an early ruling from the arbitral tribunal limiting discovery may be crucial in resisting a Section 1782 application. In any event, we will, of course, be keeping a close eye on this important case for further insights. Thank you for listening to this edition of SNC Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.sulcrom.com. Thank you.